Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you to this week's May Check Sick Discussion Group Call for Tactical Sovereignty. This beautiful Sunday, the first day of the week. Not the seventh, not the Sabbath, like I often say. Um, tonight we have a return guest from several years ago. That a lot of us are still we we follow what's going on with each other and stuff. But um, Darlene mm-hmm. is back with us, and so you know I asked her when I mentioned to her the other day, "Hey, y'all, come on." She's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Okay, what do you want to call it? <laughs> what do you want to name the show?" And it was, you know, land and colorable titles, and which really fits in perfectly with information she's going to be bringing forward this evening. So, um, let me step back for a minute, and Colleen, go ahead and say hi. Yeah, um, you guys can just call me Dawn. Um, I, uh, I've, it's been a long journey through mortgage, um, losing the house that way. It didn't matter if I had a proper tool of rescission, you name it. I tried it with my friends, Gene and Tracy, and, and it just, it didn't work. It didn't matter how right we were or, or whatever seemed to be the issue. Nope, wasn't going to work. We were going to lose. Didn't matter how beautiful our filings were, our cases were. <laughs> uh, we just uh, couldn't get through. And so... Um, Gene and Tracy said, hey, Don, have you heard about land patents? I said, well, you know, about 10 years ago, we started out looking at land patents. And I'm really glad I didn't do it at that time because with the information provided to me, it would have been wrong. And if you do it the wrong way, you're going to have a problem. And what I have seen with people and these court cases, people go, oh, well, patents were brought up and, and the courts, you know, they, they get in trouble and they're not. No, it's usually people do what's called a declaration of land patent, and you're not supposed to do that. It's already been declared. It's already in a public trust from a long time ago. So you can't go and declare your own land patent. You What you can do is accept the land patent as an assignee in the chain of title and and i i think the the place where we have to start is people mistake land with real property and real estate and after uh looking up definitions of real property and real estate all they're talking about is a business tenancy estate they're not talking about land and Oftentimes, if you go back and read your warranty deeds and all of that, you'll see you're a tenant, a tenant in fee simple or a joint tenant. Nowhere does it say that you are the owner of land having legal title. And and this is where it gets a little uh, funny. 
um, the business tenancy estate, that title is actually an equitable title, whereas the land through the patent process, uh, that's a legal title. And um, a lot of people don't understand, except for Texas, and, and I give uh, all this credit to um, Ron Gibson, produces a lot of really good information and um, if you guys want to know more, you really should pay to get his book because he's done a, a lot of research. And that shouldn't, you know, that's his time, his effort, and he needs to be paid for that if you want to. And it's very simple. and It's an excellent booklet that he puts together. Um, but really, what happened other than Texas, and I, I thought, wow, this is very interesting in order for the states to come into the Union of States, there's something called an Enabling Act. And part of that Enabling Act is that the public land had to be turned over and, and put into trust. And, and the United States uh, for America, uh, that's where it had to be turned over, and whoever is the president uh, ended up being the trustee. So that at some point in time, a man or woman could come forward in their good name and make a claim to that land, and then that public trustee would issue a land grant, the patent. And hey, and Don. Yes. The, I just want to connect a couple dots here as well. Is that when, when you look at enabling acts, we have to look at who else was using enabling acts that set up their regime. And uh, that would have been uh, Adolf Hitler in Germany. I didn't know that. I hadn't looked yeah. into that. That's interesting. That's pretty, that's pretty interesting. Because I, I do know that we have, uh, I looked up the Enabling Act of Montana and it was very straightforward that under that Enabling Act, that the land had to be ceded over to the um, federal government so that it would be fair. And, the, and the, the whole reason was that way you didn't have different states, different public trustees doing different things with, with the land. And uh, so that's why it went into what I see as one public trust. And so it's basically, under the Enabling Act, after exclusive jurisdiction over lands within a state had been ceded to the United States, private property located thereon is not subject to taxation by the state, nor can state statutes enacted subsequent to the transfer have any operation therein. And, and that was a court case back in, let's see, Surplus Trading Company versus Cook. And there, there's a lot of, of cases that support that. Um, um, so I guess what we have to talk about is what are these colorable titles, these tenancy business estates? And that's what everybody's after these days. Um, they're not really dealing with the land. And corporations, by the way, can't own land. It has to be a special act of Congress 
in order for a corporation to hold the land. And usually that had to do with the railroads. And so only a man or woman in their good name, from everything that I've researched, can hold the land. But you know what? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you bring that up regarding railroads because it seems like there are so many Supreme Court cases that all refer back to different railroads, you know, like Erie Railroad. Mm-hmm. Um, you see this over and over again. And when I was looking at history in Europe and them wanting to be able to get a hold of land that they could use for whatever purposes they they were putting in railroads and one of the things was was that when they were putting in the railroads is that they the railroad company held an easement for like 50 miles on each side of the railroad which means they could fly mm-hmm. through the middle of the country and grab a hundred miles swath of land and it was like holy crap and it's like, so how, that, but that's another rabbit hole, how the railroads, you know, have played AI? such a big part. Yeah, Keith, what's up, man? AI? Um, Panama Canal. Panama Canal is now a private uh, trust, and they are the originators of the Panama Railroad. This is all in regards to the original trust in order to transport the commercial papers. In order, it's through the easements and everything. They had to uh, construct a trust in the railroad constructions for future people wanting to claim the land. The railroad's got to take liability as well as responsibility for future uses in expansion. So they had to claim a larger swath of land that they currently knew or needed, but they had to place it in a trust because it's no there's no claim on the land. It's called abeyance. And that's yep. the way oh. everything operates today is in abeyance until the trust is formed and expressed. Yep, it's all in advance. If anybody wants to look that up, that's A-B-E-Y-N-C-E. You know what? That just sparked something in my head, Keith. And I, it's mm-hmm. like, duh, Brian, you're an idiot. Why don't you see it? But he was talking about the transfer of papers. Okay, well, what is a railroad for? A railroad is for not just transporting goods but it's for they also transport records and information from one place to another and in the beginning that became the one of the fastest ways of doing it okay so stop and think for a second who on the roads today does not have a license plate police have license plates government cars have license plates who doesn't the post office doesn't have license plates the mail so you can lump the mail right in there with the train and the railway system all right go ahead dear sorry oh no problem i'm just for example under the montana enabling act of february 22nd 1889 and i and i will tell you chapter 180 25 statutes of large 676 section four second that the people inhabiting said proposed states do agree and declare that they forever disclaim all right and title to the unappropriated public lands. There you yep. go. In order for them to come in as a state, they had to cede over forever 
those uh, public lands. And yep, what's very interesting is um, a piece of land that I'm dealing with right now that I brought the, the patent, you know, I accepted the patent. And that's what it is. It's acceptance of the patent um, as an assignee in the chain of title, as a bona fide purchaser in the past. And what I find hilarious is how can these state and county courts uh, have jurisdiction over land that was ceded over to a public trustee two years before Montana was even a state? Two years before yep. that land was taken out of the public domain and then put into private hands because a man came forward and claimed the land and did the proper process. And it does say to his heirs and assignees forever. <laughs> well, Don, what I was Don, what I was thinking about what I was thinking about was we hear about land patents. But we don't hear about real estate and property patents, okay? And that's what the state deals with. The state deals with property and real estate, but there's already a land patent in the background that precedes the chain of title to it. Yes, exactly. The land was already taken out of the public domain and put into the private. And so that's why it's called colorborn overlay. All they did was the state and the county came in and they created a survey and here's the language where they get you. Situated or located within this state. Well, what is yep. this state? They never define what this state is, but it definitely is not the ultimate and original title belong to the people of the state within this state. That's in our codes of Montana. Oh, great, perfect. I'm one of the people. And here's another interesting thing. Um, there was an act of Congress to, to um, that governs this uh, patent. And for, for the one I'm talking about, I think it was April something of 1824. That was the act of Congress. And then there's another one that... Uh, was an act of Congress under Lincoln, I believe, and and I do have the dates for that. But there's there's two different ones that govern these that uh, patents that that um, have to do with these um, acts of Congress. So it, it's just fascinating that the state really has no say to the land. But they do have a say over what they created, which is that overlay, which is that tenancy business estate. And that's for residents and banks love it and commercial entities love it because they can deal all the time in real estate. And oftentimes that's tied to uh, buildings, appurtenances, and all of that. But it has nothing Done. to do with the land. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Don, those, those acts that Lincoln did. Um, there was something that he did at that time with those acts that kind of ticked off the bankers. All right. I mean, there's a statement out mm-hmm. there where he said, you know, I've got the bankers behind me and I've got the South in front of me and I'm actually more scared of these guys behind me. You know what I mean? Uh, they were the real right. power, right. but there was something that he did that kind of ticked them off 
and with with those patents, it ticked off the bankers, and that's why the and when I say bankers, also think of the treasury. That's why they ended up going and and putting his figure on the penny, on the one cent coin. They were diminishing him to the lowest degree because he had ticked them off, and he and it had to do with the Indians. And that's why they put him on a one-cent copper coin. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense because whereas it's, it's established under KGB Danks, where the United States is parted with title by a patent legally issued upon surveys made by itself and approved by the proper department, the title so granted cannot be impaired by any subsequent survey made by the government for its own purposes <laughs> right, there. right there okay oh great you came along and made another survey but all you have to do is cite to that it already parted with title when a man or woman came forward and and um uh, made the claim and the patent was issued now what's very interesting on the patent that i'm dealing with it happened two years before Montana was a state. <coughs> you find the legal description, the land, it, it, it describes it on the Montana Meridian. Nowhere does it say it's located in or situated in within this state. Isn't that interesting? Who was in private hands before Montana even became a state under an enabling act? But even if your land, um, even if there was an enabling act afterwards and a patent uh, was, you know, a man or woman uh, claimed the, uh, made a claim for the patent, it doesn't matter. The enabling act covers them, and that act of Congress for that time period covers them. And so, hey, what are you talking about? And when you get into the round robin of, land um, and in their codes, oftentimes it goes back to real estate, real property. And you look up real estate, real property. Oh, public state-owned land is the description. Well, it can't be the land that we're talking about that's on the Montana Meridian. It's that overlay. It's that colorable title. It's that tenancy business estate that's situated and located within this state, which is just a commercial zone for, you know, I think that's a very good way of describing it. And, All right, Don Colley. Don Colley, now let, let's go into the, your property. Yes. Let's go into that case. Uh, oh, you mean the, the lawsuit I told you about earlier? Yeah. <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> okay, so I have a piece of land that um, a homeowners association was being dissolved basically because of corruption. So by court order, there were two officers left, and their job was to get rid of the remaining assets, which was two acres and a building. And at that time... They, they amended their bylaws one month before uh, we got the property. And under their bylaws, it, it stated that there were no members. Um, 
if it was being dissolved, and that they could do any lawful act in order to distribute the assets because they weren't allowed to make a profit on a dissolved homeowners association. They had to clean the books, clear everything off the books. So um, I I created a nonprofit, and I didn't know this at the time. This has been 2013. So in 2013, we created a nonprofit. It was not a 501c3. Uh, the property was donated or, or granted to to us. We held meetings for two years. We acted as a nonprofit. We had an EIN number as a nonprofit. We had board members. We did everything that a nonprofit is supposed to do. And then after a while, most of the people started realizing they're like us. Hey, we're not resident citizens and all of that. What are we doing acting as a nonprofit? And so we amended our bylaws, which we have every right to do, and became a private membership association and changed how we held the property. And basically, all you're doing is you're characterizing how you are using something. And we called Secretary of State's office and said, look, we're not engaged in any business activity. We truly are a nonprofit. We're not making a profit in any commercial activity. And they they said, well, you know, there's really no reason to maintain yourself as a nonprofit and file reports. So we did not keep that name registered. There was no reason to. We were now operating as a private membership association. Now, now, Dawn, Dawn, I want Dawn, I want people to pay attention to these dates, because these dates in this situation are extremely important. Now, you're saying this was 2003. 13. 2013. Okay, people keep keep that keep that date in mind. Because and listen to the dates where some of these situations occur during this story. Right, right, and and this is all public record, so I'm not you know disclosing anything that's not public record. So by the end of 2014, we and uh, allowed the Secretary of State to involuntarily dissolve the nonprofit because we were not engaged in any commercial business activities, and you have every right to amend your bylaws. We had board meetings, our members agreed, and we just changed our status because we were people on Montana. And the property literally is on the Montana Meridian. Now, we didn't quite have all our information together, and that's a good thing. We didn't do things incorrectly at that time because we could have gotten in trouble. So what's hilarious right now is I am being sued for quiet title fraud, constructive fraud, and public nuisance. (laughs) And here's the reason why. In September of 2019, a woman became aware that we were no longer registering that name as a nonprofit and decided to register that name and create a nonprofit with a different identifier number, registration number, uh, created in September of 2019, with herself as the director, it looks like the only member, <laughs> um, different 
articles of incorporation, different address, and then proceeded, and this is how I became aware of what was going on, she called the power company and said, I control that nonprofit in that name, and I own that building and that property, and tried to get the property, the utilities put in her name. So I get this uh, from the power company going, um, we're putting this in, uh, we're canceling it in your name, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? No, wait a minute. That's, that's not us. And they're like, well, she gave us her registration papers. And I'm like, but that's not us. <laughs> and so we went back and forth. And unbeknownst to me, she notified the sheriff's department and the local police department that she now owned that property and that I was a trespasser and um, potentially breaking and entering into a building. <laughs> now, I, I am one of, uh, I was the president of our private member, uh, no, I'm not at that time. Somebody else was president of the private membership association. I was one of the members and very aware of everything that was going on. So we thought, uh-oh, we've got a problem. She's going to probably try and steal the land, and I bet she's going to do something by deeding it to somebody else. And somebody out in this area where the property is located told us they were having secret meetings about our property and we're like, oh, boy, okay. So we had an emergency uh, board meeting, and the proper officers of our private membership association <laughs> decided we've got to get it out of that name. So we did, and we deeded the property out of that name in December of 2019, and we had every right. The power company, all utility companies from here on out could see exactly what was going on and would not allow these impersonators to put any utilities in their name. And the post office, we were having our mail stolen. We even had our mailbox stolen. And the postmaster out there found out and called the party involved and said get that do you have that mailbox yes get your ass over there and put that back within two hours because if i drive out there and it's not there you're gonna have a serious problem so i did file a postal complaint and um so it, it's kind of a long story all the little shenanigans so they were having secret meetings but we got it out of that name and you know when people are crooks they're not often very smart. So what we did was we got we got the property out of that name through a deed, and that's fine. That's the equitable title. And the private membership association and its members held the equitable title. And then they asked me to, uh, I was appointed president, to please get the patent in my good name to the land. And... Here's what's very important. I can't benefit from having the land. Land is supposed to be freely given. I cannot make a profit off the land. I can't contract for deed for the land. 
I have to grant it freely. Now, the private membership association can contract for deed the equitable side, the building, the appurtenances, and all of that. They have every right to do that. But me, I can honestly say, lawfully, I can't benefit. Can I endure a benefit whatsoever? So if the private membership association at some point wants to sell the land, the I'm sorry, the equitable title, you know, contract for deed, great. It can do that. But me, I have to grant the land itself to somebody freely. And so people have to understand the two sides to this. So now moving forward, these people um, having these secret meetings. So this woman's thinking, I own this property. I control it. I registered the name of the nonprofit. Twelve weeks later, her cronies that were in on it created a nonprofit. Now what's hilarious is that they were and our trustees of a political subdivision of the county called a fire service area. It's not a fire department, it's a fire service area, and that was created in 1991. And so what they did was they created a nonprofit called Clarkston Fire Service Area Number 6. Even though the fire service area's legal name is Fire Service Area Number 6 created under county resolution in 1991. And there's a whole process to do that. Well, this woman meets with her little cronies. They create their nonprofit called Clarkston Fire Service Area Number 6. Funny how it sounds very similar to a political body, a public body, a fire service area. Okay. You know what, Dawn? If I can interject yeah. on that. Yeah. One of the things I was thinking about when you told me this whole story, it, it reminded me of the preamble to the Constitution of the United States of America. All right. Because <laughs> when you go. My had to memorize it for his, uh, he's a senior, and, and we had to go to Billings on Thursday, and I had to help him memorize the preamble. <laughs> That's funny. funny. Well, when you go to the when you go to the preamble for the United States for or the Constitution for the United States of America, when you go to the preamble, if you go through it and you read it with the eyes and ears of an attorney, what you're going to see is all of a sudden there is a second entity created called the United States. Mm -hmm. Totally different from the United States of America, which in the Articles of Confederation, the name of the government was, or the country was supposed to be styled as the, not the with small t, capital T, the United States of America. And in the preamble, you see in the preamble, all of a sudden they create this brand new entity called the United States. And that's kind of like what they did there. They were, they were creating another entity that looked the same, but it was, it was different. It was a different entity. Well, and I will say this, Brian, when you get the patent, it says the patent comes from the United States for America. Yeah, that's how the patent is. And it's signed by the public trustee, which, which is the president, whoever it is at that time. 
and it's put into the land record of of the you know the county and um you have the secretary of the land office so it's under sign and seal when you get the patent and you have to get certified copies out which is what i did okay so getting back to what these people were up to they they were they were impersonating my old nonprofit that was dissolved in 20 late 2014 and became a private membership association but we changed the name of it in 2019 when we saw that they were uh, she was impersonating us and and what they do is they do this this uh, name game all the time so uh what what happened is she made out a deed now we got the property out of that name in december of 2019 and here we are in april of 2020 after her cronies created this nonprofit. and what's hilarious is it's this the same board of trustees of the fire service area happen to be the directors of this nonprofit that was just registered in 2020, January of, of 2020 created. And now they started acting like, oh, you know, in February, she gave them a quick claim deed donating the property <laughs> to their, well. Okay, Don, Don, yeah, for, for the clarity for the listeners here, <clears throat> you have to recognize that one organization had trustees and these same guys were part of another organization but in that other organization they were directors yes and i'm going to get to the point of statutorily by definition and character they have different registrations different duties different um statutes different business activities they're not one and the same and and i i point this out in in my um lawsuit challenge because to make a long story short she deeded as a registered officer of her nonprofit. now right there what an idiot a registered uh, agent does not have any authority for any nonprofit to deed any kind of property held by that nonprofit, even if she did have the property and and under equitable rights held that property as a bona fide purchaser and owner of that property. Can I ask you something? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So this uh, organization that she created, she's the sole member of, right? Yes. And at the same time, she set herself up as the registered agent for herself. And the registered agent, registered agents are only good for process of notice and demand. So. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my God. This, this, this is, to me, this is like better than stand-up comedy. This is legal stand-up comedy, I I guess. I thought you guys would enjoy this tonight and then get some more information and just 
it's a good story to get you thinking and change your perception. So it's even worse than this, Brian. She makes the name out. She donates it for community service and all of that to an entity called Clarkston Fire Service Number 6. Well, Fire Service Area Number 6 is the public body created by county resolution. Clarkston Fire Service Area Number 6 is the nonprofit created in January 2020. Clarkston Fire Service Number 6, who the hell knows what that entity is? <laughs> she didn't even put the wrong name on the wild deed that she issued. And then when she recorded, they recorded this wild deed. Now remember, we took it out of that, um, we took it out of our old nonprofit's name back in December 2019 because we knew she was going to do something. So she's not even assigning in the chain of title. We don't even know who she deeded the property to. And what these people did was they broke in the building, they changed the locks, they put a shed and property on my land, they put drilling, water drilling equipment on there, and started claiming that they now own the property and gave all these documents to the sheriff's department to confuse the issue. And, and of course, I said, get off my land. You're not an assignee in the chain of title. You're not a bona fide purchaser. She, she has no authority. And, by the way, we got the property out of that name before you guys cooked up your scheme. So, you know what, Dawn? You know what this yeah, you know what this reminds this this reminds me of a woman I once knew, and I'm not gonna get into details on that, but a woman I once knew that she would hook up with different gentlemen who owned large amounts of property. And she would start receiving mail at their properties. Mm-hmm. And then and these gentlemen were getting up in age. They they didn't get out and really explore their property much. And then she would go and she would lease out sections of land for companies to go and drill for natural gas. And she was getting checks every month for the natural gas off from all these guys' properties. It's incredible what these people will scheme. And, and so it gets even better. So I send them notices. Now, by this time, I have the patent, and I gave public notice of the acceptance of the patent and gave a come-along notice that if they didn't bring forth any claim within this 60-plus time, day time period, they were forever stopped from being, bringing any claims. Okay? So I, I told, you know, I, what do they do? They don't get off my property. And by the way, the post office doesn't recognize them. The clerk recorder's office has their deed flagged as wild, even though they can't make a legal determination. They just have a question mark next to it as though, because they're like, yeah, it's not in the chain of title. The Department of Revenue has flagged it and notified the Attorney General's office. And and here's the reason why. This, you know, imposter, impersonator, in order to dissolve her nonprofit 
three months after she created it to donate property she didn't control her own. <laughs> she dissolved it. All right. <laughs> the day after her cronies created their Clarkston Fire Service Area Number Six nonprofit. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just it's just incredible. But she's so stupid that she put the letter she gave to the attorney general to dissolve her nonprofit and and dissolve and uh, distribute its assets to Clarkston Fire Service Area. Again, she can't keep the legal name straight. Um, and her registration documents with the Secretary of State, along with the wild deed, she attached them, so it's all public record. So now I can use the evidence on the public record of her, you know, her, her slender title and fraud. But I, I brought the patent forward um, as the private association members asked me to. I then gave them full notice. I offered them forgiveness and a remedy. And the, the remedy was pay me back for the utilities you stole, because the utilities were in my name, and yet they broke into my building and racked up a, a power bill. And, you know, the power company absolutely will not put power in their name. No utility company, no service company, the post office will not recognize them at all. So I still have actual and physical possession of the property. But uh, they haven't removed their shed. And all I said was, pay me back what you stole for power. Um, I will replace the lock that you broke and put your own lock on. And uh, you pay for that and remove your shed. And all will be forgiven. So I was very generous and kind as the president of the private membership association. Nope. No response from them except for um, about 40 days later, I get a lawsuit suing me for quiet title, fraud, constructive fraud, and public nuisance because that old building and property was designated 30 years ago as a fire station until they built a new one in the late 90s. So it wasn't even a fire station. And they're claiming I committed fraud and constructive fraud against the Dissolved Homeowners Association in 2013, of which there were no members left, just two officers dissolving the remaining assets. And then there's how do how, how do you commit Don, how do you commit fraud against something that has already been dissolved? <laughs> well, when you hire an attorney to create like fifty pages of bullshit. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you know what? You mentioned you mentioned by hiring an attorney to create fifty pages of BS. Uh, you know what? How about telling people about that attorney? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so at fire service area, I called the, the DA for the county here, and I asked him. I said, can a fire service area as a political subdivision uh, hire a private attorney? And he said, yes, there's case precedent. They are board of trustees. 
even though they're a public body and a political subdivision, they do have the right as trustees to hire whoever they want. Well, the the attorney they hired, while I was, you know, I made phone calls to her, and I had witnesses, you know, hearing the phone call uh, before they sued me. I said, you need to identify who's suing me because you guys are going to laugh about this. So that in the title of the lawsuit and what this attorney was claiming is Clarkston Fire Service Area Number Six, the nonprofit's legal name. But then she's trying to say, oh, that nonprofit with the board of directors is exactly the same thing as the board of trustees for a public body, a political subdivision in the county. And I said, no, they're not. We have two different statutory duties, characteristics, definitions, and business activities. Never mind. One's got a board of directors and one has a board of trustees. You need to do your research. You're stupid. And I mean, she just laid into me and hung up on me twice. When I called the DA, because the county commissioner's office couldn't tell me, um, you know, legally, if that was, you know, possible or, or whatever, and the county attorney said, do you mind my asking who the attorney is? And I said, oh, yeah, it's so-and-so. <laughs> he started laughing. <laughs> because the thing is, she used to be the public defender until he fired her ass for being uncouth, unprofessional, um, outrageous bursts of temper and cussing of <laughs> the public defender. And using county property for her own personal use. <laughs> That's the kind of <laughs> attorney I'm dealing with and that they hired. And what's hilarious is prior to them suing me, I got these text messages from the well, new owners of the property, this nonprofit. Stop harassing us. Don't contact me anymore. The county attorney's handling our case. Blah, 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 blah. You know, if you contact me again, that's deemed intimidation. The county attorney's not handling their case. They don't even know what the hell they're talking about. This is how stupid a lot of these people are. And, and so at the end of December, I got a lawsuit for, and, and here they're suing, um, the old president of our nonprofit, who hasn't been a president for a long time in 2013, good luck finding him, because you know, you know that's that's 2013. Plus, number number two, where is it that this attorney represents the dissolved homeowners association as a plaintiff? It's not even a plaintiff to the lawsuit. So they failed to join a party, and there's no contract for this attorney to represent a dissolved homeowners association. I mean, it's just baloney. So they're suing me individually, quote, the old president of the nonprofit from 2013, and the secretary of our private membership association, and they're suing our private membership association. Now, I think you guys are going to like this. 
because in the lawsuit, she claims I'm a resident of Gallatin County because I received mail at this location, and I had a social security number starting with these three numbers and graduated from this high school. Wow. How would she know that except for one of the the trustees that's, quote, of the plant, you know, plaintiff, the fire service area. Uh, he was like three years younger than me and went to the same high school, but I don't even know him. So, you know, we know that they're using that info. So here's my response. I hope you guys like this. And I give a lot of credit to Jean and Tracy for putting this together. So uh, I'm not claiming all of this was mine. Uh, great majority of it was Jean who put it together so well and, and you know what before before you do that I just want to say in the future and I've wanted for the past couple of years some point to have Jean come on our podcast yes and go over info with us and I know Dawn is like 100% on board going do it do it do it <laughs> He has his own traveling case that is absolutely phenomenal what he's gone through, and he really needs to come on. And I'm going to talk to Gene, and I know he likes you, Brian, and he would be a great one, he, he and Tracy, to talk with. So right off the bat, in order to combat um, what she stated about my status, I wrote this. <laughs> Hope you guys like it. It's a little long, but I'll take it in sections. And I put background concerning rights of Dawn, and I have my, and I said Dawn, as one of the people, stands on her statement that she is not a U.S. citizen, U.S. national, resident, or statutory person, obligated as alleged in the plaintiff's complaint. The plaintiff has no right or authority to convert her status as a woman with sovereign immunities recognized, guaranteed, and protected by the U.S. Constitution, Article 1, Section 10, Constitution of the State of Montana, Article 3, Section 11 of 1889, and the Constitution of the State of Montana, Article 2, Section 31 of 1972, to that of a legal person of any type. Both the 1889 and 1972 Montana Constitution state, all political powers vested in and derived from the people. All government of right originates with the people, is founded upon their will only. And I cite the uh, both constitutions there. And I write, the, and this is a quote from Article 2, Section 34, Unenumerated Rights, um, and it says, the enumeration in this constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny, impair, or disparage others retained by the people. Another quote, people of the state do not wish to abdicate their sovereignty to the agencies which serve them. That's in the Montana Code. <laughs> okay, I cite that. In the in in United States, Sovereignty resides in people. The Congress cannot invoke the sovereign power of the people to override their will as thus declared. That's Perry v. U.S. Quote, all power stems from the consent of the people. And, and I'm just going to tell you guys, I quote every word this comes from. Quote, 
since in common usage the term person does not include the sovereign statutes employing the phrase are ordinarily construed to exclude it. (laughs) Number two, there's a distinct and notable difference between people and persons. A careful look at the United States of America Constitution, the Montana Constitution, and annotated code usage of the terms people and persons show that the term people refers to living men and women who, being created by God, have sovereignty and self-evidence secured and unalienable rights, whereas the term person refers to state or federal legal creations, which are purely fictional in character. People is not the plural of person. Persons is the plural. People and persons are completely different in character. In definitions, words are known by the company they keep. See the doctrine of nostitur associis. And then I put, quote, Justice O'Connor, Supreme Court of the United States, delivered the opinion of the court. Applying the maxim of statutory construction, nostitur associis, that a word is known by the company it keeps. And then, quote, where in a statute, general words follow a designation of particular subjects or classes of persons, the meaning of the general words will ordinarily be presumed to be and construed as restricted by the particular designation and as including only things or persons of the same kind, class, character, or nature as those specifically enumerated. The general words are deemed to have been used not to the wide extent which they might bear if standing alone, but as related to words of more definite and particular meaning with which they are associated. (laughs) And, And then I wrote, the following are some definitions of person taken from various U.S. and Montana codes. It is interesting to note that the word people is hardly mentioned in statutes and codes, whereas just about every statute refers to persons. Notice how the term person keeps the company of corporate, business, association, and legal type entities. Even when it includes or mentions natural person or individual, it is still grouped with these fictional business, legal, or corporate entities and falls within the doctrine of no secure associates. People are known as the creation of Almighty God with sovereignty, and rights granted by God, whereas persons are creations of men and the governments they create when those persons have bound themselves to those governments with duties and obligations in exchange for benefits and privileges. There is a presumption that only persons have interactions with government or the law. And then I put every definition of person from Montana Code. (laughs) <laughs> as fine, you know, that followed even the Bozeman Municipal Code definition of person, which says the term person means and includes a natural person, joint venture, joint stock company, partnership, association, club, company, corporation, business, trust, organization, or the manager, leasee, agent, servant, officer, or employee of any of them. So, I then just basically put the United Nations information about people because it's in there and of civil and political rights, which the United States is a signatory affirms the people's right to self-determination. And so I put that in there. 
And then I I cleaned that up by any attempt by the plaintiff to disparage Dawn's right of self-determination, to declare her status, or to change or color that status as a violation of her right and is void for any effect and deprivation of this right. Dawn does not waive her rights. Okay, and then that's how I cleaned up her trying to define me and sue me and make my, you know, put forward the presumptive presumption and assumption that I'm under the status of person. And boy, did she have a fit with that. She had like five pages of, well, she's this, she's that, she's a person, she gets mail at this location. Brian, I only do it in care of, and I don't put a zip code. And if I do use a zip code just for information only, I put a box around it and have three yeah. years. Absolutely. Put a box so, on it, and you, you can even write underneath the full address. You can write without the United States. Yep. Because Absolutely. without means without means outside of. And, you know, exactly. to me, it's interesting. You brought up, like, all the definitions of person. I, I got so sick of everybody going, oh, person means corporation. No, corporation is only one of the things listed in the definition of person. You know, they they right. also they also in the definition of person that uh, they include a statutory or, or juridic person, and they also include a yes. natural yes. person, a belly button Absolutely. person. Absolutely, and that's in there. Yes, um, like uh, one USC chapter one section one. Uh, in determining the meaning of any act of Congress, unless the context indicates otherwise, the words person and whoever include corporations, companies, associations, firms, partnerships, societies, and joint stock companies, as well as individuals. Well, now I, I would be, uh, now I kind of walk lightly when it brings up individuals, because when uh united states code brings up individuals to me i look at okay what does the treasury say when it comes to definition of individual when it talks about individual for the irc the internet or the uh, revenue code uh their definition is taxpayer a taxpayer is is what an individual is and so it's like they're still falling back on a commercial entity um and if you even look you know there's things that have been put out by the courts that says that the citizen is actually a set of k trust that's involved in a partnership it's a partner okay wait a second partnership so there's somebody else that is a partner with us taking care of this entity created by the state okay and that other portion would be the state themselves. That's why they want you to get an attorney. You see what I'm saying? Right, right. And, yes, and so. And in all, a lot of these statutes for Montana, they always put this thing at the end, or other legal entity, or other entity as well as a natural person. And, and this is under terms of wide applicability. 
So it's not just limited, but they're they're saying other legal or commercial entity, and they and they separate that any other legal or commercial entity. Do do we want to do we want to be a legal or commercial entity? <laughs> no. Exactly. It's hilarious. So I I put all of that in there and. And I just want to make sure that the, you know, administrator of the constructive trust called the case number. Uh, I stand on my rights and I don't waive waiver from them. Period. And you know what? As so as long as we're talking about like the entity, I several people that contacted me and want me over the past couple months to bring you back on. Uh, the last one, especially was talking about the DBA doing business as and uh-huh. Uh-huh. he had listened to a call where he thought it was you and I it actually I think it was it was actually um, Mark Fisherman from um, no citizen in Ohio that was doing it with a woman by the name of Colleen but what she talks about is the same exact stuff you talk about. So I was like, it's really interesting. Plus, Mark Fisherman and I sound like identical on the radio. All right. <laughs> and and our dog. view. Right. Well, and well, I've seen you just go by Colleen before, too. But anyway, uh, so I thought it was really fascinating. It's like, oh, my God, this guy sounds just like me. And he thinks and talks like me and his viewpoints are very close to mine. There's some things I disagree with, but I was like, wow, this is interesting. So anyway, um, what, uh, and I try to cater to the members of tactical sovereignty because that's what this, Mm -hmm. these calls were established for. And he wanted information regarding like DBA and like uh, the Minnesota, uh, DBA, and I've got my opinions about those or whatever, and so I, I just wanted you to give your input regarding, uh, like the Minnesota name assumption and doing DBAs. Well, here's what I found whenever you're up against these debt collectors and these attorneys and these courts, they're never talking about your DBA that you created. They're talking about some type of character persona that has a variation of what looks like your name, and I've come to realize they don't even they don't even care about the DBA. If you want to use that for your own personal commercial purposes, that's fine. But when they're coming after you, I can guarantee you they're not talking about that DBA that name that particular entity. And, and it's specific registration date, registration ID number, and all of the characteristics that are associated with it. You know, you, you have to, like what I do when they call me, uh, oh, may I speak to Dawn? What's this about? Well, um, I'm an attorney for so-so of a debt collection. Okay, uh, you need to identify what Dawn you're talking about. Well, no, we need you. No, I don't do that. You identify it. You called me. You should know what you're talking about. 
I have no idea what the entity you're calling about is, and I'm not about to characterize and define it or identify it. That's your job. You called me. Well, are you Dawn? Well, I don't know if I'm Dawn or not. You haven't identified what you're talking about. Well, do you have, uh, you know, could you give us this? No, I don't give information for free. Why would I do that? If I'm What Dawn are you looking for? Exactly. And if I give out information, I expect a piece of the pie. I want to know your uh, financial status. I want to know how much uh, your company's worth. I want to know what your profit margins are. Because if I'm going to give that information out, I want a cut of the pie. Because I don't. I want off the. I want off. This is going to benefit me. I want off. This is going to benefit me. Well, that's exactly it. Where do I get something out of it? Because I don't do anything for free. And if you make money, then I should make money. I told the I told the county, <laughs> I told the state department of revenue. Uh, well, you have to pay property taxes. No, I don't. Well, yes, you do. You have to fill up this form. No, I don't. Well, it says in the code. I said, I don't care what the code says. I said, how about this? You just send me a check for $20,000 on special deposit or something. I'll take $2,500 out of that. Go hand deliver it to the county treasurer for these alleged property taxes or whatever you call it. And I'll keep the rest for my time and effort. Have you done a DBA? Have you done a DBA, Don? I have done a DBA. I did do a DBA, but I really haven't used it. Right. Well, I did one, and the reason why I did one is because I noticed a lot of people talking about different things and saying about, you know, they receive anonymous bills in the mail or whatever, and they would send them back, you know, saying refused for service or refused for cause, whatever crazy stuff. And I stopped and thought, I said, wait a second, really, what has happened when we were born, the state creates an organization. That's what they say in revised yep. article nine. Yep. Okay. And so uh -huh. what they are doing is where, I mean, they're just secretaries or whatever. They don't know. But what's really happening is that organization is contacting your organization, which you are supposedly the agent for. Okay. And mm -hmm. in order for you to say refuse for cause, refuse for service, you can't do that unless you really own that organization. So through doing a DBA saying, okay, yeah, I am claiming that name of that organization. Now you do have the power to say, uh, no, I'm sorry, we're not going to do business with you. It's just like when I went to court and I told you earlier that it said on the summons, it said, that the company can use their own attorney or hire another attorney to sue you. I said, oh, good. So when I got in the court and they started saying, oh, you owe this, 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 what do you, what do you want to do? I said, hold on, I got a question for you. The summons says that the creditor can use their attorney or hire another attorney and that they have to show evidence of that. I said, do you have evidence that you work for or have hired, been hired by company X? One time, the frickin' attorney threw the paperwork through the frickin' room at me and walked away. <laughs> um, yeah, this I, time, this I, this time, 
she walked up to the judge, threw her hands up and walked out. And I looked at the judge and I said, what? The judge said, eh, you might get contacted. Eh, probably not. <laughs> now, Brian, I would agree. I've had one, a couple of successful things with that DBA. And, and I've said, look, I, I hold the name and I have power of attorney. Who are you? You have power of attorney? Well, yes, I do. What do you have? I found but, something in the sec Secretary of State for Washington that said that if you are trying to do business without a registered name, you may not have standing. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. Right. Yeah. Right. Everything you do in court is business. It's just business. It's not personal. It's business. And I was like, whoa. Yep. So if you are in there with using a name that you have not put a claim to, then you're going to lose by default right off the get. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, is that why so many people lose in court? I would say so. And the few times that I've had to deal with it, I did bring forward that uh, DBA. And then said, well, who are you? You need to identify what character you're talking about. What persona are you talking about? What identifiers and characteristics does it have? Because that will determine its statutory rights. And, and if you have the authority to act for it. Boy, that shuts them down every time. Well, um, this is, this is, this is. That language. Exactly. And this is one of the things that I try to bring up to people. All right, because <clears throat> it should be obvious, but it's not. It wasn't obvious to me. It took me a long time before it became obvious to me. But if you're in a courtroom, mm -hmm. you've got the judge sitting up there on the bank or the bench, okay? And what is he doing? He's acting in a representative capacity as an agent for the state, for the bar, judiciary, whatever, okay? You've got the clerk right. of courts there. The clerk of courts is acting in a representative capacity as an agent for da da da. You've got the prosecutor. The prosecutor is acting in a representative capacity as an agent for the state. You've got, if you have a, a defense counsel, you've got a defense counsel who is acting in a representative capacity as an agent for the state representing your legal person, okay? What in the world makes you think that you are the only one standing in the room who is not acting in a representative capacity. Of course you are. You are also in the representative capacity of that organization they created with the birth certificate, just like your defense counsel is. Right. right. They all get paid. Where do I yeah, get Everybody paid? gets paid. Everybody gets paid but you. <laughs> right. And that's my question all the time. Hey, what's my cut of the pie today? Because I don't engage in this unless I get a cut of the pie and I know how much it is. <laughs> Boy, they don't want to talk to me because I, I'm I'm really good at just spouting this off. And and you know and the attorneys just, just they kind of freak out, and then they want to bully. Well, they bully you. They call you names. And you just have to get used to that, just like the attorney I'm dealing with for these imposters, you know, impersonators, these, you know, the ones that are making a, a fraudulent claim to property that they haven't, they're not even the chain of, of, of title. And, and 
Brian, I'm gonna. I, I would love to read what I put in my reply brief about the capacity that they're coming in, so that people can understand. Hey, before you just accept something, make sure you know what what's their identity, what's the characteristics of the identity they're claiming, what's the proper name, what statutory rights does it have, and then what capacity are they coming in under? Because if you don't Don, know that, I'm sorry, I can't answer questions. Don, you're bringing yeah. up something there that I think goes in one ear and out the other of a lot of people. People need to realize that everything that occurs in this realm, this judicial realm anyway, is about three words, status, standing, and capacity. And that capacity, you keep bringing up, the capacity is what hat are you wearing? Are you wearing the hat of a Walmart employee? Are you wearing the hat of a citizen? Are you wearing the hat of the slave? Whatever. That's what capacity is all about. How are you interacting? The director of a nonprofit just created last year or a trustee created under county resolution in 1991. Which is it? There you go. It goes right back to that freaking case that you were talking about. And you know what? If people think that what Dawn is talking about just kind of begins and ends with like land patents and that kind of stuff, Oh no, we've not even gotten into medical yet. We're we'll right. go into medical at some time, <laughs> and you'd be amazed what happens in medicine with this. Absolutely, and so the reason that what you see, they they they've sued me, and I just read to you my my um. The capacity that I'm coming in under the background of my rights concerning my rights, because I had to deal with that straight off the bat before I can do anything more. These are this is the status standing capacity. I'm coming forward, and you can't deprive me of them. And any violation of my rights to change or color my status is void for any effect because you're depriving me of this right and i don't waive those rights and boom right. that should take care of it they should go uh oh we got a different one here and now Damn. answering yeah go ahead no, I, was just, I was just agreeing and yeah our rights come from our creator our rights don't come from stuff that's been written down by some man in a wig <laughs> no all they are is Recognized, guaranteed, and protected. That's it. They don't come from it. They're just recognized, they're guaranteed, and they're protected. So if you if you think of it that way, you don't make the mistake, well, I get my rights from the Constitution. No, you don't. The Constitution just recognizes them, guarantees them, and protects them. That's all it does. And you can only recognize something that already exists. And that's the thing. If they recognize it, that means your rights have already existed. They don't come from them. That's right. They've already, you're 100% correct. And now I want to get back to this this capacity stuff that hopefully people 
well, you know, when when they come against you and and try to do the switcheroo of capacity in their names, <laughs> it's pretty funny. And and here's the thing, what I found through this process was I want to answer things. I have this habit of wanting to answer things. No. I first have to um, affirm, bring forward my affirmative defenses. Before I can answer anything, I have to bring forward my affirmative defenses. I motion to dismiss this case based on those affirmative defenses. And in doing so, I can't bring up anything outside the pleadings, which was the complaint that the plaintiff brought forward. Because then I'm adding to those pleadings, and that interferes with my affirmative defense position. And so my affirmative defense is that they failed to state a claim upon which relief can be granted. They didn't, uh, process of service was not proper because they did it under a different rule. Uh, they don't have subject matter jurisdiction over over the matter because these people are not an assignee and they failed to join parties to the case. They didn't make complainants. So how can they claim fraud, constructive fraud, and all of that when the Homer Association dissolved in 2012 and 2013 isn't even a plaintiff to the case and the attorney doesn't represent them under contract? You can't. <laughs> so they have a problem right there. And so what, what, what I when you told me, when you told me about all that, I mean, I was just like bust out laughing. I'm like, oh my gosh, they, okay. So a company closes five years ago and you're going to claim that that company from five years ago did damage to you today. And I'm like, what the, I, mean, I don't see how any Buddy in the freaking courts can look at any of this and go, seriously, what, huh? This makes no sense. Exactly. And the reason they're trying to, okay, so he, I'll read this up. It's not that long, but I'll go point by point, and hopefully it will open people's eyes to how attorneys will skirt the issue and throw all this bullshit at you to get you to answer and agree instead of challenging it correctly. So my title to this part is, in what capacity is the plaintiff coming forward so that the court can determine its rights and the defendant can properly defend? And point one, under parties in the complaint, the plaintiff defines itself as fire service area number six, created by Gallatin County Commission Resolution 1991-49, Montana Title 7-33-2401 on December 17, 1991 as a political subdivision with a board of trustees. The plaintiff also claims that it is also known as Clarkston Fire Service Area Number 6 and Clarkston Fire Service Area. Well, that doesn't really fly if there's another organization that's been legally created that has one of those names. You have to be very careful. You have to sue in your proper legal name. The, the next one, 
The plaintiff identifies itself in the title of its complaint as Clarkston Fire Service Area Number 6, which matches the legal name of a nonprofit that registered with the Montana Secretary of State on January 16, 2020. According to the registration documents, this new nonprofit as a public benefits corporation with members has articles of incorporation by laws, does not claim 501c3 status, has a board of directors, uses this address, and also claims it would distribute its assets upon dissolution to, quote, the closest first responders to our community. Wow, gee, if they get my property, and they're claiming as a party to the case as the point is that they're a fire service area, a public body, and they get the property, um, are they getting it as the fire service area or are they getting it as a nonprofit that could then sell the building and the property and give it to the closest first responders to their community? Which, guess what? <laughs> Most likely would be them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Come on. It's ridiculous. Furthermore, plaintiff admits that on January 16th, and this is in their own pleading, on January 16, 2020, Clarkson Fire Service Area Number 6 filed articles of incorporation with the Montana Secretary of State as a public benefit corporation with members. Nowhere in the Clarkson Fire Service Area Number 6 registration document does it state that this nonprofit's assets would go to the fire service area another nonprofit or the people of Clarkston and does not identify and define who those first responders are. See, and they're all sued against me on the public nuisance. Their claims are, I'm preventing them from having that as a fire station and that under the title of the Homeowners Association 2000, that property was meant to be for the fire station they already had a fire station across the street in the 1990s. If, hold on. If you're preventing them and you're not the legal owner, then how can you prevent them? Well, right. Well, they're claiming my, our private membership association is preventing them. And right. they're well, because we might kill people and, and they're because they're not be able to use our property to store their fire equipment. Fire you know, I, you know, I, I brought, I brought equipment. something up when we went through this case, I brought something up to you that I think I'll bring up now mm -hmm. that might help clarify things to people a little bit when looking at, you know, you've got one association with one name, but then there's another one that steps in with a similar name. <clears throat> I told you about uh, Matt Cox, who was number one on the Secret mm -hmm. Service Most Wanted list. And one of the things he would do is to set up what looks like a bank, banking, backing things up. He would set up, say, for instance, there was the First National Bank of Florida. Okay? Legitimate organization. Well, he would set up a website called the Clarkson First National Bank of Florida. And he would list that uh, on property. 
And so people would go, or they'd see it. If they wanted to inquire, they'd look it up. Oh, it's got a website. Everything looks legit. Although it was nothing. It was fake. And that's exactly what's been done here. Exactly. And here's what they said in their complaint. And, and I consider it a slander of title and defamation of character. Here's a quote straight from their lawsuit. Defendants are maintaining a public nuisance because the inability of plaintiff Clarkson Fire Service Area Number Six to utilize the building for its intended purpose as a firehouse affects, at the same time, the entire Clarkson community and neighborhood consisting of a considerable number of persons. Notice how she doesn't say the name of the fire service area, but uses the name of the nonprofit just created last year. Exactly. Wouldn't this nonprofit have to be a member or a party to the old homeowners association bylaws and covenants, which they weren't? There you go. Right. Serious problems. Then she goes on to say, the attorney, defendants use of the firehouse for their purposes and prohibiting use of the firehouse for its intended purpose is injurious to the safety and health of the Clarkson community if wildfires cannot be responded to immediately and obstructs the free use of the firehouse for its intended purpose so as to interfere with the comfortable enjoyment of the property and could even result in the loss of life due to significant lapse in response time to wildfires until the firehouse may be used for fire protection (coughs) services. Therefore, the defendants knowingly created, conducted, and maintained the public nuisance, and the court should abate this public nuisance and enjoin the defendants from maintaining it. She's now opening us up to all kinds of lawsuits for eight years where, say, there was a fire, and because this plaintiff couldn't use it as a fire station, firehouse, you know, they were injured, the property was destroyed, blah, blah, blah. How ridiculous is that? So believe me, I'm going to go after them on that issue at, at a later point. But but getting back to my reply brief, I put, quote, and this is from the plaintiff. The plaintiff established and registered itself as a nonprofit corporation with the state of Montana's Clarkston Fire Service Area Number Six, but it is still Fire Service Area Number Six. Wow, really? <laughs> That's what they're turning yeah. saying. And then, and then, quote: Here, are the grantee Clarkston <clears throat> Fire Service Area Number Six can easily be identified, even without extrinsic evidence. But if necessary, witness testimony can certainly establish who was the intended grantee of the property. Thus, it cannot be said that the plaintiff failed to join itself as a party because it is a party to this lawsuit, the party that initiated this action. And here's what I wrote back. Plaintiff has failed to address which capacity it is coming in under. Throughout the complaint and brief in opposition to the motion to dismiss, the plaintiff intermingles the two legal entities and claims that they are one and the same which confuses the matter and denies the defendant the right to mount a proper defense. Therefore, this plaintiff has failed to state a claim for which relief can be granted. And then on top of it all, for the quiet title count, 
Here's what the plaintiff says. On February 10, 2020, Lenora Rayer's agent for Puma conveyed lot 102C to Clarkston Fire Service area number six by quick claim deed. And then they go on to say, Clarkston Fire Service area number six is a nonprofit that itself was organized and operates exclusively to the ben- to benefit the public. The second Puma, that's what they call this, is that one created in 2019, the second Puma properly transferred legal title to the lot to Clarkson Fire Service area number six. And then um, quick claim deed likewise gives the plaintiff in this case the right and title to an interest in lot 102C, even if the deed inadvertently omitted the word area. This case is first and foremost about quieting title in the plaintiff Clarkson Fire Service area number six. And I wrote, John cannot determine who Rayer made out a quick claim deed to, and without a proper party in interest, Don cannot mount a defense. And then you go, failure to state a claim for which relief can be granted. Yeah, affirmative defense. And then this is very important for people to understand. I, I put in there, the plaintiff has skirted the serious identity issue. Is it coming in as a public body with the legal name Fire Service Area Number 6, created by County Resolution 1991-49 with a Board of Trustees with the right statutorily afforded a public body as a political subdivision of a county government, or is it coming in as a nonprofit newly created in 2020 as Clarkston Fire Service Area Number 6, which can be seen as a private citizen? with articles of incorporation, an elected board of directors, and only the rights statutorily afforded a nonprofit. Statutorily, a nonprofit does not fit the definition or character of a public body, as each would have a different set of requirements, restrictions, obligations, duties, and business activities. The plaintiff has failed to disclose why the board of trustees of a fire service area as defined in its own complaint, is using the legal name of a nonprofit created in 2020 to sue the defendants. The plaintiff further fails to disclose how, by operation of law, the 2020 nonprofit can operate as the fire service area, and the fire service area can operate as a nonprofit. One has a board of trustees, the other has a board of directors. There is no resolution on record to show that the trustees of Fire Service Area Number Six petitioned the Gallatin County Commissioners to create a nonprofit that can attach itself to a public body, so that it can exercise its rights as both a public body and a nonprofit at the same time. This failure puts the defendants in this suit at a disadvantage. It is apparent that this plaintiff has an identity crisis. And Don Lemieux and the other defendants need to know what capacity the plant is coming in under, as that will determine what rights it has before A, the defendant can mount a defense, answer, and counterclaim, and the court can determine if the defendants violated the rights of the plaintiff as a real party in interest. <coughs> it's that simple. You know, that's probably what I probably should have uh, titled this call as is identity crisis uh-huh. because that's really what's happening here it, 
Right. You know, what that makes me think of, okay, I'm down here in Southwest Florida, right? And stop and think about uh, Brown Dentistry in Sanibel. Brown Dentistry in Sanibel, Florida. Well, if you go into Brown Dentistry in Sanibel, Florida, and you find that there's a bunch of people who have not paid for their dental work, okay? Uh-huh. You you could turn around and create a entity called Sanibel Brown Dentistry, and then send letters to those people saying you owe us money. Right. Right. Same we thing. We have an interest in these contracts. Same thing. Even though we are a nobody. Sanibel Brown Dentistry has nothing to do with Brown Dentistry of Sanibel. <laughs> and and they, they, people keep getting hounded and hounded by these letters. You can have people calling them. Oh, we're going to take you to court. Yep. And, and then they maybe even negotiate a price. You get something out right. of them. It's, it's what I told you today. It's called unjust enrichment. Absolutely. It's deceptive business practices. And on top of it all, and the beauty of this is, if I don't win the motion to dismiss, which I don't see how a court could uphold this bullshit, it's so in your face that a nonprofit public benefits corporation treated and bound under different statutes is trying to exercise the right in order to maintain allegations of fraud, constructive fraud, and public nuisance as a fire service area, a public body, a political subdivision of the county created in 1991. I mean, it's just, that's that's really what they're doing. They're, they're, but they can't. They, well, they you know, mm-hmm. we, we talked about this, and one of the things that comes to my mind is that they are claiming a position of taking care of the county that doesn't exist. So technically, they are really being, they're fraudulent. Yeah. Now, there is one, I mean, these same people are the board of trustees of the fire service area. But they're also the board of directors of a nonprofit they created just to receive this property through fraudulent means. Right. From an imposter. And this woman is so freaking stupid. She thinks, and this is why I said to the sheriff's department, because they said, well, if you go on that property, you know, they had an underling, you know, they had the deed to the property. I said, well, no. Uh, our private membership association has the deed, and I have the patent, and it predates and is superior to their wild deed that they created. And he goes, well, no, we see. I said, oh, so you're making a legal determination. So when I called the undersheriff, I said, oh, it seems like your guys are making a legal determination that would violate my rights and would molest me if I go onto that property which I have every right to go on that property as the president of the private membership association that truly holds the equity title 
Never mind, I hold the legal title in my own good name under patent. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to talk to my guys. I'm really sorry, Don. You won't be molested. We'll let the courts figure this out. I said, well, that's a smart choice you just made because you guys will have a serious problem if you act upon their fraudulent documents. But they will not take my complaint for trespass and all of that seriously. They want to wait for a court to determine who really owns that property. Even though I provided them eight <coughs> years worth of documents showing all of this. And uh, Don, here's the property. You hold the patent. Bottom line. It's the fire service area. You hold the patent. Bottom We're line. Together. Huh? I said you hold the patent. Bottom line. That's it. I have the only title. So if I should lose the motion to dismiss, um, then I'm just going to answer a motion for summary judgment and bring in that patent. And here's the thing. It's a state court. You're not allowed to make any determinations to the patent. You're not a party to it. All you can do is recognize it. Well, you have no rights to make any determinations as to its validity because it was properly granted back in 1887. <coughs> Here's the entire chain of title. And I have the entire chain of title. And I took out certified copies of every assignment in that chain of title. So that's evidence yeah. on the record. Well, we discussed earlier today how this can easily be moved to federal court. Absolutely. And, I, and, and if they don't, Cease and desist and, and uh, knock it off, it will be removed to federal court because it was a, it was a patent um, issued by the United States for America by a public trustee called Grover Cleveland. Grover Cleveland. Yep, Grover Cleveland, Cleveland issued the patent. Yeah. Yep. So they're the only ones that could even, and even then... Once a patent has been properly um, issued, the government itself cannot even come back and challenge it because the statute of limitations is way up. You think? <laughs> uh, you know what? Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know what? Oh, we're at about two hours here, so you know what? Uh -huh. I think a lot of this has gone like way over the head of a lot of people, but... Hey, I love having this information on the record. I think that's what's important, and that's why I do these podcasts, to put this freaking well, real information the on the record. Yeah, if you didn't quite see it the first time, go back and listen and listen and listen, because all of a sudden, yeah. it really will start to sink in. It, that's how it worked for me. I had to that's just what, listen, and then I got wrong. Uh, I had wrong Gibson. $40. It is very, very good and well worth the $40. And everybody should just get it and and learn what 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 have what patents are all about. And you know, attorneys and all that will say, oh well, they don't matter today. Well, I can guarantee you, title companies recognize railroad patents. Absolutely. Yep. 
so and, and, that, even if and that's why that's why i re that's why i record all of these calls people can go back and listen and you can oh you missed something you can go back and listen to the past few minutes again you know yeah and, and hey i'm in the middle of exercising this i by no means say i'm an expert and i'm just telling you guys the challenges and what i'm doing never mind a totally separate case where my dad is the assignee in the chain of title and brought forward that patent he accepted it and the county issued a tax deed to some guy out of state and this guy quieted title without ever serving my dad in a state court saying he couldn't find us fancy that even though he's done like a hundred and some odd you know tax deeds and 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 you know that's his business model oh he can't find us and so i sent him a really serious nine or ten page notice provided all the law and here's what's funny in the tax deed the county issued to him it the the legal description has a box around it all it says is that he has a lien interest and granted real property and in that real property's id number like a one two three four five that's just like some kind of county lien interest that's the colorable overlay nowhere does it say this man got the land and my dad has had this land for 30 years free and clear as a bona fide purchaser and this guy turned around and sold it in december to some poor unsuspecting sucker and so now they're all going to have to get sued in federal court. And I called the title company and explained what happened, and they got real quiet. And I said, they said so your dad has the patent? Uh, absolutely. There was no mortgage on this property. It was paid for outright. He had the equitable title, and he perfected title. He has legal title. And they're like, uh, I said, so it sounds like this guy having full notice now has knowledge, was deceptive to this, quote, poor sucker who bought a tenancy business estate, unjustly enriched himself, and um, doesn't have any liability insurance because title companies don't insure that. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, he's totally on the hook. We don't know a lot about patents, but... Uh, you yeah, that's why. That. That's why I said to you earlier today was that, you know, freaking him going and doing shit in our state. No shit. Uh, now there's a diversity of jurisdiction, which means it's yeah. got to go to federal court, and fe only federal court will take well, care of it. He screwed himself. Right. Yeah, and you have to actually have a harm done. You have to have a harm. You can't just go to federal court and say, hey, I want you to declare my land patents valid. No. You actually have to have, they have to have jurisdiction to hear something in which you've been harmed. Another thing is, diversity of citizenship, if you're a state national, you're not a U.S. citizen. There you go. There's diversity right there. Yeah. So. All right. Well, It'll be interesting. We'll keep people informed. We're, like I said, we're trying it. This is kind of new territory for a lot of us. So, you know, let's see how it all shakes out. 
Absolutely, Dawn. And I know a lot of people are really interested in this topic, and uh, I think it's a very important topic to pay attention to. And, you know, like I tell people every week, learn. We need to to learn who we really are, where we're really from, and where we're really at, because we've been deceived in all those things. And Brian, I would leave people with this. You better know your standing status and capacity before you do this stuff. If you come in as a resident or tenant or joint tenant of a business, um, you know, tenancy estate, uh, uh, you know, no way. You have no standing because you don't have the you're, right you're, status. You're absolutely right. Everybody needs to pay attention to capacity. I think out of status, tenant, capacity, Capacity is the most important because without your capacity, you don't have standing. Okay. And when when you now Don brought up the word uh, resident. Okay. You look at the word resident, break it down. Res ident. Okay. Are you identifying as a res? Well, if you're identifying as a res, what is a res? A res is property of a trust. So you're saying yep. you are property of a trust. That's yep. what you're saying. Yep. So, yep. yeah, you don't want to be a resident. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, this has been fun, Brian. I appreciate you having me on. And, and like I said, I tried, you know, trial and error. And I, I absolutely give a shout out. Ron Gibson has a great book on patents. I'm not trying to say his information is what. No, he did the research and hard work, and you know he deserves all the credit for that. I'm just learning from it. And then Gene and Tracy have dedicated years along with me here on Montana to a lot of study, and I give a shout out to uh, um, a lot of great stuff Gene and Tracy have put together. And and Gene really needs to come on. Well, Gene and Tracy need to come on. <laughs> you guys will get a kick uh, out of what they had to go through. I would, I would actually, I would love to have Gene and Tracy on. I'll tell you what, because I, I've spoke to him before. Yeah, I would love to have Gene on. And my thing is really with this podcast is that there's a lot of podcasts and YouTubes or whatever that you can listen to. And people just talk about a lot of stuff, okay? Myself, I prefer to listen and talk to people who are doing things. Who's actually, you know what? Whether it's right or wrong, they're trying. What is, does this work? Does that work? People that are doing shit. And you know what? And that's what I did through my studies. I freaking learned shit and I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do or try. And I found what really worked. And that's what I've done in my life. But I want to bring people on who are showing this to people, who are showing that they are actually doing shit. To me, that's yes, important. Not. <laughs> screw, screw the ideas. A million people can throw ideas out there. Show me, get, bring me people that are actually putting things in motion and getting results. Hey, we're working. Don, Don, whether it's land or whether it's medical, 
we have gotten results, haven't we? Yes, we have. Absolutely. Yep, I've got medical results, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I find uh, the medical profession, they honor that better than the courts and all of that. They're the, the attorneys are the, the, the real boogers to come up against. <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right, well, guys, well, I, I guess we're gonna we're gonna say good night. Oh, Don, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, sure, it was fun. Yeah, you're welcome anytime. And uh, Don is a friend of mine on social media, whatever. Uh, you know what? She's a friend of mine in this freaking universe. Uh, I'll go move in next door to her. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, that's what we all need to do. We all need to come together. We, we need to unite our minds. Yes. That's what it's really about. Yes. I always say it's a spiritual battle and leave it at that because it really, truly is. It'll test your spirit. You know, uh, I'll tell you what. I wasn't going to bring this up tonight. But since you just said spiritual, <laughs> we are indeed involved in a spiritual battle. Um, I've had physical experiences with it. All right. Mm-hmm. A scripture, scripture talks about it. Mm-hmm. And this is something we have to endure. And... Yeah. If you, you've got to get your mind out of the regular paradigm and start seeing the spiritual things happening around you. You really, really do. I agree with you. I'll just leave it at that. Because it's scary. It can be very scary. It does. It's it can really challenge. It can challenge your very core because it's challenging beliefs. Uh, your the way you were raised. It, it's all of it. I can't believe you said that because that's what I thought. I said in my mind, I was thinking it challenges your beliefs, and it really does because you don't realize that there are harmful spirits around us. That will invade you if you let them. And have invaded other people around you. And then those people affect you. And. That's always been the big plan. God. I agree. That's a a whole new freaking realm. I don't want to go into right now. I yeah, I probably need to make a separate podcast just to talk about that. But, right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, people don't realize. You know what? Today we are experiencing something phenomenal on this world. I'm not going to say globe. I'll say world. But. It has stretched across many countries. Yes. And we need to sit back and think about that. 
People think about one world government. Oh, has this not freaking reached everybody? Yeah, it has. One world religion. What's the religion? Oh, everybody wants to argue with you about freaking masks. What's the religion? It has spread across many freaking countries. Yep. I, we're, we're experiencing a one world religion, one world government. Hate to tell you. I <laughs> yeah. You know what? You know what's important, Don? We know who we are. Yes. That's what's important. You have to know who you are. Are you above this or are you below? Yeah. Are you above this or below this? Yeah, nobody nobody can determine it for you. You know, you have to agree to it. Good, bad, or, or you know, like, uh, you know, good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> we sometimes that we, we have the good, we have to face the ugly, and we have the bad in front of us a lot of times. So what are our choices? What are, what are we going to agree with or align ourselves with? Absolutely. I, you know, I have to wake up and look in the mirror every day. Do I like what I see? Am I doing the best that I can? Can I improve? Yes, I can. Hey, you wake up in the morning, Dawn. Guess what? I love you. <laughs> and hopefully everybody here does, too. I say that to a lot right. of people. I love you. It's so important. Absolutely. We got to love ourselves. You know what? Here's something that kind of confused me a lot with Scripture. Is that Yeshua always talked about loving each other. But Yeshua never talked about how you love yourself. You have to learn how to love yourself before you can learn how to love each other. I would agree. That's just, agree. That's just something. First, first. Yep, that's something I explored. Anyway. All right, guys. Good night. You know, uh, thank you uh, so much for being here tonight, dear. Don, sure. great info. Sure. Great info, Don. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it was fun. You know, you have to learn to have fun with this because... Depression, we're dealing with a world of a lot of depression right now, serious depression. And and I, my my take is just start taking it with laughter. Just, just say, oh, yeah, that's good. I need to learn that through these trying times. That's just my opinion. No, you're absolutely correct. We have to look at it as... How is this going to make us better? And uh, I'll send you the recording for this. All right, dear? Okay, sounds good. You have a great night. All right, good night, guys. Good night, all.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.